Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Pater, a Penn State football podcast. Along with former Penn State and NFL quarterback Matt McGloin, I'm Tom Hannafin. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Pater. Now, we're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA and Silent Disco IPA. However, we want to let you know about three Funk Brewing beers that you've got to check out. The Little Citrus IPA and the Peach Bikes shandy are available right now also the mango sour power is available it's a sour ale brewed with mango it's absolutely delicious do not miss out on mango sour power you can get all of these great beers at funk's tap rooms now in emmaus elizabethtown and york of course you can find funk brewing products at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store for more information visit funkbrewing.com must be 21 years or older to purchase please drink responsibly also, Pater is brought to you by our partners at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games, it's super easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Pater is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. So Matt, on this week's edition of Pater, uh, we're going to compare and contrast a little bit between the current Penn State quarterback, Sean Clifford, and the former Penn State quarterback, Will Levis, uh, who is now at the University of Kentucky. This is the great Penn State quarterback debate that, frankly, has been going on amongst Penn State fans ever since Will Levis transferred to the University of Kentucky when he started really having a lot of success this past season. And Sean Clifford obviously was struggling uh, on this episode to help us be objective about it, because God knows you and I can't be on this one. Uh, we have Seth Galena from Pro Football Focus. I love the way Pro Football Focus breaks down everything, every last aspect of the game. So I'm really anxious to get Seth's input on this. Uh, when you look at this as a former quarterback and you kind of step back in that thousand mile view of what we're actually about to dive into, how do you feel about the Levis versus Clifford discussion? Uh, it's, it's look, it's, it's difficult now and it's unfortunate for these two players because now their careers are going to be tied together from here on out. Right, this whole entire season, and, and and potentially, you know, in the future, in the NFL or the XFL or the USFL, whatever, whatever route they, yep, whatever FL, yeah, <laughs> right, whatever, right, whatever route that they go, uh, it's just tough, you know, because you know, I would never have expected a guy like Will Levis to have the success that he had at Kentucky, just because of what we saw at Penn State, right? But you have to give him a ton of credit for the way he's worked, the way he committed to the game and committed to playing the quarterback position, Tom, and not just, you know being the runner that we saw at Penn State, but being able to throw the football, throw the football downfield at times, you know, when he's had to, being accurate. You know, when you watch him, it's just, he's, he's very good mechanically. He's got good footwork. He just looks like, you know, he can play the position the right way. And, you know, he, he still has a lot of room left to develop. Whereas Sean, you know, you've kind of seen the the best and worst, um, you know, of what a quarterback looks like throughout the Big Ten. But, you know, uh, there's something to be said, Tom, about knowing that it's your last year to play at Penn State, 
True. Right. Because if you look at like you look at my career before my fifth and final year at Penn State, right? It wasn't very good. Right. I was a starter. I was benched. I split time as a quarterback. In comes Bill O'Brien. And, you know, we had a fantastic um, season. One of the better offenses in all the Big Ten. We led the Big Ten a lot of passing categories. Um, completely changed my game, the way I played quarterback, the way I saw the game, the way I was able to process the game. Um, you know, so. You know, Sean certainly has you know a huge opportunity here in his sixth year to put all that experience, all that talent, everything he's gone through, to put it all together and finish this year on a high note. And uh, I'm really excited to uh, to, uh, to talk with Seth today about what he thinks about these two quarterbacks and really you know uh, what he sees from other quarterbacks and how they grow, how they develop, how they make that transition from college um, you know to the NFL. It's going to be an interesting conversation. I think so many people get hung up on the fact that a guy is projected to be a first-round draft pick, and that's been the story of Will Levis and the way too early mock drafts for 2023, and that's what's kind of fueled the fire with this debate. It's been going on for the better part of a year plus at this point, but I think a lot of people now, it's been rejuvenated because there are people thinking that Will Levis could go in the top 10 of the 2023 NFL draft. Some people think he could be first overall, and then I think Looking at Sean Clifford, he's going into his sixth season, so that doesn't necessarily inspire confidence that this guy can make the leap to the next level. He's starting his own uh, NIL agency, so he's kind of got an eye on what's going to go on after football, and it might not necessarily be playing football. So uh, you can kind of read the tea leaves a little bit. Um, we had a great uh, guest in terms of Nate Bauer from Blue White Illustrated on episode 42 of this podcast, and Nate Bauer said, quote, the guy that left Penn State in 2020, Will Levis, was not the guy that we saw competing at the University of Kentucky in 2021. It was just a different guy, and maybe he needed a new situation, a new scheme, and it all just seemed to work out for him. So to a degree, I understand that this debate, this comparison, is inherently flawed and a bit unfair, uh, especially, I think, to Sean Clifford, considering the hype around Levis, but we're going to do it anyway, you know? <laughs> Because I think Penn State fans, I think Penn State fans are frustrated by this entire situation, and hopefully seeing some progress from Sean this year. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah, look, I'm sure people are frustrated over it because you know you had what could be a potential first round pick or number one overall um, on your roster, and let's be honest, you didn't use him the right way, or you didn't see it in him, or you felt like maybe you couldn't develop him um, the right way into what he was last year and to what he's becoming. And, you know, let's be honest, it's one of the better quarterbacks in America. Yeah. And you and I have talked at nauseum on this pod, a podcast about the James Franklin era, the, the ability to develop. So mm -hmm. that is something that's in question. But without further ado, let's get to our exclusive interview here with Seth Galina of Pro Football Focus. Joining us now here on Paydirt from Pro Football Focus, Seth Galina, who I guess we can refer to as the quarterback expert when it comes to things of Pro Football Focus. You're already shaking your head. Would that be an incorrect <laughs> title for you? I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That sounds very cool. Um, I just, you know, I'm just here trying to, trying to learn like everyone else how to play quarterback. Well, luckily we have McGloin on here and he can correct us when we <laughs> when we foul up. So uh, for those that don't know, walk us through your journey to getting to pro football focus and what that experience has been like. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I <clears throat> coached football through my 20s, um, college football, low level college football quarterbacks, um, mostly one year spent coaching linebackers. And um, I to all those linebackers listening right now, if you are, I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, 
so, so doing that and then, you know, as a lot of people who, who coach lower level football understand, um, you don't get paid a lot when you do that. So I uh, just started writing about um, my two favorite teams, uh, the LSU Tigers and the New Orleans Saints. And then eventually the writing uh, led me to, to PFF where I am now. Uh, it's been uh, three years, I think. Uh, so yeah, just trying to like mix in the stuff that I, that I learned through my twenties and, um, and, and mix it with the quote unquote analytics that we do here. Um, and, and trying to put some, put some ideas out there into the world. Outstanding. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, we have been looking for, uh, I guess you could call it an objective opinion in regards to something that Penn State fans get extraordinarily riled up about. So obviously heading into the 2022 season, Penn State is going to be going with Sean Clifford, it appears, and barring something uh, drastic as the incumbent starter. He's in his sixth season. Um, there is definitely some wear and tear for the Penn State fan base regarding Sean Clifford in terms of what he is, what his potential is. And then on the flip side, uh, especially this uh, this summer, as everybody's kind of doing their way too early mock drafts for 2023, you see the name Will Levis pop up. Will Levis not only being in the top 10. I remember there was a reporter for CBS Sports projecting him to be the number one overall pick potentially. Now, a lot of that can just be for the sake of trying to get clicks. We understand that. But Penn State fans get very, very upset when they see that Will Levis has done so well at the University of Kentucky and Sean Clifford has had his struggles. So um, just overall, when you look at this picture, um, which quarterback kind of jumps out to you in terms of, I like this guy better? Yeah, I mean, who do I like better? I I I do think it's Will Levis. I will say that, like, I don't think there's, there's like, this obvious, like, whoa, Franklin made a mistake. Oh, my God, he let the wrong quarterback go. Like, are you crazy? You're such a bad coach. Like, that is obviously too far out there. You know, we saw it with Joe Burrow. He leaves uh, Ohio State. It's, it's a packed quarterback room there, and he goes and becomes the greatest college quarterback of all time. Like, it happens. I think quarterback especially, you have one player on the field. You are nervous. Your job is on the line with this player. You don't want to make any major moves, especially when you have someone who has played before, who's started games for you and is not a bad player by any means. So, like, I, I understand why someone starts, someone doesn't start, and then someone ends up transferring and has a good good first year. So, like, I don't think there's anything to be said about, like, oh, they made the wrong decision. Now, obviously, if they, if if in practice, you know, Will is absolutely killing Sean and they still go with Sean. Okay, whatever, maybe, but we're not really privy to that and, and we'll never know. So with that, but I, again, with that said, I, I do think when I watch, you know, Will in his first season starting, obviously he's been around, but in his first season starting compared to, compared to Clifford uh, going into, I think that last year would have been his fourth year or at least third year starting going into his fourth right. year this year. There, there's a difference. There's a difference. Now, do I think Will Levis is the first overall pick? I do not. He, is he a first round pick? I think another year of seasoning, you know, probably. But I'm not even. I don't even think I'm there yet with him. So it's this isn't like this this huge huge difference, um, especially in terms of, uh, you know, what they're trying to ask both quarterbacks to do two completely different schemes, especially in the drop back passing game. So. Yeah, do I think Will Levis is like the better quarterback? I do, um, but again, I don't think this, there was some some horrible coaching mistake done by 
by making continuing to have Sean Clifford as a starter at Penn State. I want to dive into uh, some numbers that you can provide us with if you can, but I do want to steer the conversation, Matt, towards you. And, and to what Seth just said, scheme is so important. And you and I have talked about a, a lot on this podcast how, um, you know, especially for Sean Clifford, there's been a lot of changes in terms of the offensive coordinators throughout his entirety of his time at Penn State. And now he's finally got the same offensive coordinator for two consecutive seasons. Meanwhile, the system that Will Levis is in at the University of Kentucky is drastically different from Penn State. So does it make it inherently apples to oranges in these comparisons? Because fans obviously don't want to hear that, but you would know best. Yeah, look, for me, look, it's hard when like when we first saw that, that hey, Will Levis is a potential number one overall draft pick. He could be a uh, potential top 10 pick. It's just it's hard for me to accept that right now because I, I can't get over the only starting I can't get over him only starting for one season right and I mean I think of a guy like Trubisky who really only played that you know that one year at North yeah, Carolina where he started 13 yep. games and Chicago drafts him at two and he received a ton of criticism unfair criticism a lot of the time I felt like in Chicago you gotta remember that guy won 12 games 12 games one year in Chicago I know how, how difficult it is to win one game but and, and that's what I wanted to ask Seth when you guys take a look at these quarterbacks and you're breaking these quarterbacks down and what this guy could potentially do, who could be at the next level. Are you looking for really, Hey, this guy had a great year. He can do it. Or, you know, this guy has done it now for two years or for three years now. So he is the better option. He is the safer pick. I think it's so hard to, <clears throat> to figure that out. I think for everyone looking at college to pro projections, like that is what we are bad at. We're bad at it at PFF. We're bad at it. You know, NFL GMs are bad at it. Um, media people are bad at it. Like everyone's bad at that. Like we just, don't, we have no idea how to rate, um, how to figure out college to pro projection, especially at the position where athletic ability probably means the least, right? We can always go like defensive end. It's pretty one-to-one. If you're an athlete, you're going to continue being an athlete and that position needs athleticism. So, okay, it works out. Quarterback, obviously we understand that, that there's, there, there's more to it than just athleticism, though we are seeing like mm-hmm. teams take 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 dice rolls on on athletic players and hoping they they figure it out later. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's that's tough. I think when you talk about, you know, if you go back to scheme, it's it's tough to, you know, when we looked at some of the quarterbacks in, in this past draft class and we're thinking, how do they project to the NFL when we don't really know what they look like in an NFL scheme because the offenses are so drastically different than what you would see no matter where you went in the NFL. Um, you know, if I'm thinking about certainly like Malik Willis and Liberty and what Hugh Freeze does there, what, uh, you know, what Lane Kiffin does at Ole Miss with Corral, mm-hmm. you know, even Phil Longo at, at North Carolina. So it's like there, there's, there's so much that so much unknown that I think you're trying to isolate these certain things. You're trying to isolate accuracy. You know, if we're talking about these two guys, I think Will Levis has has a. It's just more accurate. So, it, or do we right. think accuracy kind of, kind of projects forward? Probably. So that that's a tick in the one direction. And we're talking about arm strength again. There's, I mean, look, we're going to end up going through this list, and, and Levis will probably check most boxes more than Clifford. We understand that. I mean, there's a reason we're having this discussion because. This has happened because Will Love has had a very good first season. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's tough to, 
to figure out this type of thing. And, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people have talked about and I kind of just brought it up was this idea of, hey, playing quarterback is really hard in the NFL. Um, and especially early on in your career, and Matt, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but especially early on in your career, you're going to be wrong from <laughs> pre-snap to post-snap. Like, you're, they're going to get you a lot. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you better have some sort of thing, some trait, some elite plan. That you can you fall need a back plan. On. You need a plan. Every play, you have to have a plan. You have to understand situations. What am I doing here? What am I doing here? If you get me, do I know enough to where I'd be like, ah, you got me, check it down. Find somebody quick, throw it away, take a sack, whatever, a anything like that. But you have to have plans. And going back to the Levis Clifford comparison there, Levis can play from under center. Clifford can't. Right. That's a big negative for me moving forward. You got to be able to play under center in the National Football League. Look, and I think you, you're right, Seth, with what you're saying. I think a lot of people get confused about what it takes to actually play the quarterback position. Right. We see recruits and college quarterbacks with strong arms and they're 6'4, 230. Hey, he's got to be a good quarterback. Or do you see that throw? He could throw it sidearm like Patrick Mahomes. And it's like, okay, like I played with Patrick in Kansas City. Right. The arm talent that he has is God given. But he's one of the smartest quarterbacks that I've ever been around. Like, why? Yeah, why is the mental aspect of playing quarterback? It's not addressed enough. Like, it's it's almost like oh, these physical traits this guy has is more important than what he can do mentally. Okay, can he process the information? You can either process it or you can't, and that's what separates the, the quarterbacks that last in the league to the guys that show up and can throw it and can run around and create plays. Uh, it's just. It's the ability to understand the game almost as if you're a coach, right? We, we talk so much about physically yeah, last point here. We talk so much about physical characteristics. You mentioned a little bit. It's decision-making, it's timing, it's accuracy, it's consistency, and it's trust, right? Those are the five most important things when it comes to playing the quarterback position. Nowhere in there does it say, you know, he's got to be able to throw the ball 80 yards downfield on one knee, or he's got to roll left and launch it as far as he could to the end zone. Like I just like that stuff to me. It's that is some of like the lower parts of what you look at when when wanting a quarterback to play for you, wanting a quarterback to be part of your team. I think those those traits give you a higher floor. So again, like uh, you know, Josh Allen's a great example. Like Josh Allen's able to stick around in the league because he has this this unbelievable arm. You know, he's he's an unbelievable runner, and then eventually he figures it out. Uh, you know, going into his third year, and then he he's just this player that we've never, almost never seen before. And I think the thing that you talk about with Mahomes is like, I, and I understand this, like the highlight real stuff is crazy. He's throwing sidearm, he's throwing no look, he's throwing over the top, whatever. I, I to me, he was he's a savant. Like he, it's it's crazy the way I've never seen a guy. We always talk about oh, you move, you know, move players with your eyes and pump fake. Like no one really does that. You're moving players through their your progression, and you're trying to get to the right thing to, to the right player. Um, he does that. Like he he is like I'm going to throw this route, so I know I have to look here first, and then throw back here. I know I need to move the safety, so I'm going to step my drop back, and I'm going to look here for the safety, and I'm going to come back backside. Like he's a savant, and I know people would really talk about that. Um, nearly enough when it comes to if we're just talking about Mahomes, but I, like I said, I do think the elite traits, whether it's accuracy, um, you know, Burrow is a good example. Like he can come into the league and be good as a rookie because he has an elite trait, which is his accuracy. Um, you know, other guys can come into the league and have a, and 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 be great right away, 
because you know Herbert can come in the league and be great right away because he has an elite trait, which is his, the arm strength. Now both those guys happen to be like incredible processors too, but like at least they can fall back on something. Like you said, if you don't have a plan when you're 22 years old or 23 years old in the NFL, because I never done it. I seems I, I can't do it in fly football sometimes, so I can't imagine um, having to do it at the NFL level, right? So like it's tough. I also think there's something that that I've been thinking about a little bit recently in terms of it really goes through all positions, all sports, but quarterback probably being the most important one is like this ability to kind of de-stress yourself and not be super mm-hmm. anxious. Like it is, it, you know, this is anytime you, play, you step on a field, there is an anxiety there. And I'm not saying like you're nervous and you're biting your fingernails and whatever. I'm just saying like there is an anxiety and the guys who have this natural ability to to be calm, to be cool, to not get overly anxious, to or to channel that anxiousness into something positive is something that again, and this goes back to the college to pro projections. It's just like you don't know that until you get in the room with the guy. Like, and that's yeah. why they try and they try and get you. You know, you you were in in these meetings when in you know uh, when you were part of the draft process and being like. You know, they're trying to get you. Oh, remember that play we, we talked about seven hours ago for one minute? And you know, they're trying to get you to, to understand your mental processing when you're in those meetings. So I think that's one of the things we will tough if you're not in those rooms to figure out. Um, again, it goes back to, to the, the projection thing, which is just it's hard to figure out. And there's guys who we had love as projector, as, as processors. And, you know, we think. I look at guys and I watch him in college and I'm like, oh, he's going from one to two to three uh, and, and he's really good and he's getting the ball on time and his footwork. And then you go to the NFL and they can't play. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's, so it's really hard to, fig- to to get this projection thing down pat. Yeah. So like last thing, Tom, and I'll pass it back to you. So so going off that projecting guys from college to, to the NFL, obviously we're a Penn State football podcast. And, you know, when you look at Sean Clifford now entering his sixth year, what does he, a guy like Clifford, who's had ups and downs, had a great sophomore year, up and down as a junior. What started out to be a great, you know, fifth and senior year, got injured, played hurt for a lot of the season. What does a guy like Sean need to do to prove that he deserves a chance somewhere at the next level? And I'm not saying getting drafted or anything like that, but for some NFL team to look at him and say, you know what, this guy's been a captain, he's been a leader. Uh, you know, he's been around four different offensive coordinator changes at Penn State. Um, he stayed. He's loyal to the program and he's played well at times. What does he have to do this season to get a look? I think like the injury, I felt like he became a little jittery in the pocket, which is going to like, obviously it's going to affect the accuracy. The accuracy is just not an a, at an A plus level. Mm-hmm. That is, is a problem. I think he's got to take <clears throat> those kind of things that I was, that I was, that I was looking at when I was watching his films. I, I feel like he's got to take some more chances into some tighter windows. I mean, they're running, um, a lot of four verts, so they get you know you're in, you're in the seams, you're running a ton of Y cross, like you're you're crossing the field with one receiver. Like there's some windows there that I thought he could have taken more chances into, um, and that that's going to lead to when you don't take those chances when they're your you know primary primary read one A one B whatever it may be, then pressure happens, and when pressure happens, your accuracy drops, your eyes drop, your feet get out of whack. So I think for him, it's like if he can just like trust himself to throw into those windows early in the progression, because um, he understands. I think his. I think he he certainly gets it in terms of like 
it's pro like what he's supposed to do on each play, what he's supposed to do within each concept. Like he gets it where his eyes are supposed to go. It just sometimes you're like, oh, just you're you're looking at that. Like, okay, but throw it there. Trust you know I me. Mean? That trust. Yeah, it. just yeah. trust let it. Let it go. Exactly. Let it go. Yeah. 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 So then, then again, that then that leads to more jittery in the pocket, and 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 then the issues that that presents yeah. itself. And then the bane of every Penn State fan's existence outside a quarterback is the performance of the offensive line. So you have that issue to compound that. Um, let, let's focus on Levis if we can. Um, in your time watching the tape, going through his numbers, what specifically does Kentucky ask Will Levis to do? What is he good at, and what is he not so great at? Well, I think, you know, so we they came in this past season. They brought in Liam, Liam Cohen, who was with the Rams for, for a, a few years at least. And now they're bringing in Rich Gangarello, who was with 49ers. So it's kind of a similar a, a coordinator's idea here between the two of them. And it, it's funny because, like, I thought early in the season they tried to do a lot of that Ram style drop back passing game, which is a lot of stuff over the middle, a lot of your 10 yard dig routes, a lot of your speed digs, whatever you want to call them. Uh, these whip routes in out, whatever uh, backside digs, all that stuff. And I think the Florida game really scared them off. And they were like, Ooh, the, the Florida game was, was bad. It was very, yeah. very bad. And I think it scared them off. And they said, okay, let's, let's calm down a bit. Like we don't need to, we don't need to like have all these routes that come over the middle of the field. And they, they kind of went away from that. You saw a lot more, um, a lot more play action just to get like a quick open receiver. They ran this little fake toss play and then they would, they would try and hit the seam. A lot less stuff over the middle of the field, trying to work away, which I think is generally good for a college quarterback. I don't think you didn't necessarily want. Like Joe Burrow did it at, in, at LSU in 2019. That's great. But like most quarterbacks, you're, you're trying to like work the sidelines, right? And that's mm-hmm. kind of Penn State's offense is set up like that. Super spread. You know, let's get as wide as possible. Let's run vertical routes. Let's run that wide cross route, whatever. So I think they kind of, they, they, they said, okay, let's chill for a bit. Let's um, let's not do go two Rams drop back. Let's hit those play action concepts, the deep overs, the post and the over, all that stuff. And get him some get him some cleaner looks um, that way. Like you said, under center stuff, you're going to get a harder play action when you go under center. You can run that that deep over route. So I think they did a good job of like creating it, and then his confidence started to get better. And then you saw like you know even the week after at the LSU game was really good. Obviously, the Georgia game is whatever. Like what are you going to do against Georgia's defense? But like then then <laughs> it really started to get better. Um, and then. You know, I thought the Iowa game was pretty good. Again, cooked up some good looks for him. I thought the coordinator was really good early in that game. But you could see that his thing is his mechanics are so freaking clean. Yes. And, like, it is yes. the culmination. I, I wrote this in my in the PFF preview magazine, but it's, like, really the culmination of, like, the new style, quote-unquote, of quarterback coaching which is like creating torque from a standstill, you know, and not mm-hmm. having this like immense weight transfer that we thought. Like I I coached it back in the day when I was being coached as a quarterback. That's what happened. You got to follow through. You got to do all that stuff. And we're realizing that like we can create torque and create power by kind of, we don't have to get into the details here, but like from a standstill, which you see Levis is, it's, it's uncanny. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really like there might not be a better like mechanically gifted quarterback. Um in the in college football right now. 
So he's able to get the ball out. And I think that's why they thought they could run this all Ram stuff because he's able to get the ball out so quickly uh, with power over the middle of the field. Didn't, like I said, didn't quite work out. But as the season worked on, moved on, he was – honestly, he was lights out. Um, and you just see uh, – look, at the end of the day, like we all have our biases. I look at a, I look at a guy throw the ball like that and I just – I can't believe it. I, I'm like, that's it. That's the guy. That's it. Like that. That's that's what I'm trying to coach my quarterbacks to do. That's what I'm trying to coach myself to do in flag football. Like that's the guy. So, it's, so like I get why people are, are super excited about him because the ball just comes out of his hands so fast. Mm-hmm. I don't think the accuracy is quite at an A – a plus level yet. I think it can come because because of how good he is mechanically, it'll come there. It's just like the, the amount of power he can get. There's a throw against Florida. I thought the Florida game was bad, but there's one throw against Florida. He throws a hitch to the to the field side outside wide receiver, like a six yard hitch or whatever, with a free rusher in his face. And the way he's able to get the ball out clean and get it to the sideline is unlike most quarterbacks in college football right now. So he has all that going for him. Like I said, was it great? His were were his eyes in the right place early on in the season? No, like it did get better. And I think you're projecting for another year in in a similar system, another year with you know at, at the same school, you're projecting that it, it'll look a lot better next year. One of the things I've always seen and heard about SEC quarterbacks, and this is decades old, is it's one read and take off. It's a lot of guys who've got a powerful arm. They can move, but they don't necessarily process things that well. It doesn't sound like that's Will Levis's game and that he's a little bit more heady than that, but he does have the ability to take off and run. What did you see? Yeah, no. Well, the, the running thing is like very underrated. He's such a tough runner. I mean, he gets yards. He, he'll put his shoulder down. I think the, the one read thing is it's just impossible for them to be a one read in that offense. It's just it doesn't. It's not what they do. Um, you could always change it, but like it's just not possible given the concepts that they're running. Um, again, coming from the Rams, coming from McVay, like that drop back passing game is just not possible to do it like that. There are obviously there have been times where where you do have that. Look at Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee. Um, man, I can't hypo hypo. So Josh Heupel's there. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that is as one read of an offense as you can get, and it works for them. And and and, and Penn State has has gone to that. I think more. Um, you know, just watching the tape from last year um, with with Yershitz, like it feels like they were trying to be as spread as possible to get like clean one read looks for Clifford. Um, not that there that's the only thing they did, um, but yeah, I, I think like. It's also just tough. Like I'm watching, kids are so good, man. The guys are so good now. <laughs> is that is that a conference to conference thing at all? In your opinion? I, no, I, I uh, maybe, but I think like the just the overall talent coming from the high school level is so much. They're just they're just playing in these systems from such a young age. Mm-hmm. You know, we the air raid reg, the air raid revolution has kind of come and gone. So it's like now all these guys are just doing is throwing. They're in seven on seven. They're doing this all the time. They're just throwing concept. Throwing. They're not just throwing. Oh, one, two, three. I throw the fade. But not, not that it's a bad thing. But it's like there's just so much more to everything they're doing that you don't even. You don't. You would if you have a quarterback who you don't feel comfortable with. Yeah, you can go in the super spread offense like hypo runs, like 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 a lot of these guys run you know, the Bryle stuff, for example. 
But like, man, I watched Bryce Young in Alabama and they're, they, they, you know, NFL guy there, Bill O'Brien comes in and they're running NFL stuff, man. And he's getting mm-hmm. through a progression. And I see the same thing with, with Levis. I don't think it was as good as like Bryce Young, for example, but, but, um, so I think everything is kind of changing. If you, if you're a mid level team like Tennessee, sadly, you, you kind of don't have a choice, but to kind of run this, uh, what I call like the new triple option, which is that Brile system. Keep it simple. We got one high, we throw it outside. We get two high, we run the football. But I think the top teams, you look at Ohio State and how vertical they get like over the middle of the field. And it's like, they're too, the kids are too good though. Like you yep. might as well, like if you have these, one of these, these five-star kids, like might as well. Now it doesn't mean they're going to be unbelievable processors. Like we talked about who knows, but the arm talent is so sick and they've been in these systems that are similar enough that, that it can work out. So I don't know if it's a conference to conference thing, but there just happens to be a lot of good teams in the SEC. So they, they run a lot of good realish offenses. Before we go any further, we want to let you know that all of us involved in the Pater podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, Thon has raised well over $200 million in the fight against childhood cancer and counting. To learn more about Thon's year-long efforts or to donate, visit Thon.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with an initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in United. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. I'd like to get both your takes on this, Matt. I'll start with you. Um, One thing you and I always come back to is that under James Franklin, and I understand the coordinator aspect of it, but under James Franklin, the, I guess, bigger bodied quarterbacks haven't exactly panned out. You look at what Christian Hackenberg was supposed to be and ultimately was. And then you had Tommy Stevens come through the door. You then had Will Levis come through the door. Now Drew Aller is on campus. And there's some questions about how long it's going to take him to live up to the hype of being a five-star. You and I, Matt, have seen over a number of years the builds of guys like Trace McSorley and now mm-hmm. Sean Clifford. Look at Christian Veyu. Look at Bo Prabula. Those guys were in camp uh, right now. Um, is this just a fundamental evaluation flaw, perhaps on the part of James Franklin's scouting team? I think you're trying to make somebody fit a certain mold, right? As a quarterback, this is what you should be. This is the quarterback you should be. How many? How, how often has it been talked about already? Well, there's Bo Prabula is now on Penn State's roster. He's, he looks like Trace McSorley. Right. And it's because, you know, he's 6'1", 205, 210 pounds. He can run a little bit. He's an athlete. He can throw it a little bit. So he has to be Trace McSorley. Who's to say this guy 
you know, can't drop back and throw the football wherever he wants. Um, look at, like a like we talked about Josh Allen, who's to say Drew Allar can't turn in, you know, to, to a player similar like that, who could, who can create plays and who can run a little bit. We talked about this with Rhett Lewis last week, Tom, when it, when it comes to a guy like Will Levis, if he stayed at Penn state, I I'm thinking they were just going to mold him into that third and short back that, right. that goal line back where it's like, Hey man, you're six, four, two go get us three yards and you're going to be a rushing touchdown type player for us. Right. Stevens did a lot behind. of that. Stevens yeah. did a lot of that. Levis was on his way to doing that. Exactly. And you, Levis, the footwork is fantastic. One of the quicker releases I've seen. And Seth, you're right. When you watch him, it's just like, right, this, this dude's got it a little bit. And it's shocking because of how fast it has happened. Because if you took before the season, when he left Penn State, if you told me this kid was going to do what he did last year, I would have said, you're crazy. No way. And so this brings me to my, my next question for you, uh, Seth. And I had, so I had the chance to call Maryland spring game a few weeks back. I talked Ooh. to Mike Loxley before the game. <laughs> and, uh, I love it. and I think, I think if you're going quarterbacks here, I think Tali is one of the best quarterbacks in the big 10. He has a chance to become one of the I best think- quarterbacks in America. Uh, I but 100%. I think maybe maybe we'll save that discussion for a Big Ten quarterback <laughs> type podcast here. But he's a fantastic player. He's so underrated. Uh, we were talking a little bit about the draft with Loxley. And he said, you create value for yourself by playing at a school like Maryland. And I thought to myself, I'm like, that is so true. Because as a player, you never look at it that way. At least I didn't, right? You look at the way you play. You look at the way your performance. You know, you look at Penn State, you think of linebackers and running backs, offensive linemen. But when you look at Penn State now, or you look at a Kentucky, you look at an Alabama, obviously, it's like, all right, we're looking at the quarterbacks here. Do NFL teams look at certain spots and assume a player is good or can be good or has potential just because of the school that he went to or because, well, this guy worked with Liam Cohen now a year ago. They bring Rich in from the 49ers, so we know he's getting coaching the right way. He's played well, so this could be an easy draft for us because we're not going to have to teach as much as we would if we bring in a guy like Sean Clifford who is playing for, you know, Mike Yurcich, who's been, you know, a longtime college coach or, or Kirk Shiraka, you know, and so forth. Well, uh, the first thing I want to say, just because I, I, I the, the, the quarterback coach that Will Levis works with, his name is Rob Williams. And I have to give a shout out because he's a fellow Canadian. So I got to, <laughs> <laughs> I got to give a shout out because clearly he's done, they, they've worked together and done wonders there. Yeah. I think it's funny because I look at, I look at Ohio State. You know, and I was just finished watching CJ Stroud and I'm like, I'm like, you could do a lot of stuff there because of who the, what the surrounding talent is. Yes. I'm not saying he's yes. good or bad. I'm not, we're not having that discussion yet. I'm just he's saying got eight, he got eight seconds. He got eight seconds to throw the football, you know, half of his past my, attempts. My thing, my thing with Ohio State's offense and like good on them, like this is not, has nothing to do with it. Like again, being good or bad, but like you can't press them on the outside. No one pressed them. Actually, and, and we looked at the numbers um, after the Michigan last year. One of the reasons that Michigan was able to kind of slow them down, uh, even they scored a lot of points, obviously they lost the game, but um, was they pressed them on the outside. No team, every team is so afraid of pressing. They always have great receivers on the outside. And the quarterbacks with such a strong arm, you say, oh, you want to play off at eight, um, eight and bailing on the snap. We'll throw a 12-yard speed out to the field because we have these freaking ballers playing yeah. quarterback so again anyways so that's a little off topic but yeah but but it's part of it it's like it's 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 harder to evaluate those guys when they play with 
studs all around the field. And like Talia is a great example of someone you can evaluate because you're like, all right, well, the offensive line is no good. They're down in every game, especially all the big games they played last year. They were down by 21 points before the game even started. So you're like, okay, well, I can see the process here um, in bad situations. And he's still able to work through it. And and obviously, like, he, he's surrounded by people who know the game very well. They're, um, A, Mike Loxley. B, obviously, having his brother um, there, too. So, like, but you can see it more clear. And again, the same with Kentucky. You can kind of see it a little more clear when they're not playing with um, with the five stars all over the field. I think Maryland wins eight games, Tom. I, I have a hard time disagreeing with that, honestly. And I think the Big Ten is going to be uh, very, very competitive this year. I'm really curious to see where Michigan is because they had a lot of, I'll call it turmoil within their coaching staff. Uh, I think uh, Jim Harbaugh's will he, won't he with the Vikings kind of messed with things a little bit. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Uh, Seth, we have a couple minutes left here. Uh, so I know, I know the round at which one is drafted largely just doesn't matter. And my co-host can attest to that. He was a walk-on and he was undrafted and he did just fine by himself at Penn State and in the National Football League. So just because a first round... Go ahead. give you... I have to look up Matt's numbers here. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Stretch. I didn't even ask for we, this. We, this we, awesome. we don't have to. I don't want to. No, Please. don't want to put anyone on the spot here. But three-game stretch, 2013, Texans, Titans, Cowboys, weeks 11, 12, 13, uh, 75.1 passing grade, 74.7 passing grade, 78.4 passing grade. That's all in the green, okay? That's not in the red. It's under the yellow. It's in the green. We so should have won. A- we won the Houston game. We should have won the other two games as well. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, look, I had great, great coaching, right? John D. Filippo was my quarterback coach. Greg Wilson was my offensive coordinator, two of the better coaches I've ever been around. Uh, but it's crazy. The NFL is crazy draft or not. I barely got any reps, you know, Seth through mini camp, uh, you know, and, and OTAs and like even in training camp, you know, you don't get a ton. And the next thing you know, you're starting. Uh, so like, look, you got to prepare. You have to be ready because the NFL is crazy. So to that point, Seth. Do you expect Sean Clifford to be drafted or at least signed by an NFL team once the draft comes and goes next year? Obviously, this is a pretty big year for him. I think at this point, it's it's late it's late round. It's probably UDFA. Being that you know, if you if you're gonna get drafted highly, you probably come out of school already at this point. Like mm-hmm. this, that's just kind of how it works. Like I'm just you know what I mean. Like I, I you you'd want better for him, but like that's kind of how it works. Obviously, if he has a great year this year, that changes everything. But I think right now, let's say he had come out, so he doesn't play again another snap. I think it's I think it's late round uh, UDFA. And as a Canadian, are you hoping that Christian Veyu sees the field this year for Penn State in twenty twenty two? Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Now, because it's not just it's not just Christian Veyu, who I believe is from Ottawa, which is near me. Okay, my guy is Malik Mega. Oh, who, awesome! Who? I think his first year, I was like, we, we spent a spring camp together. Then I got another job. But uh, you could tell um, when he was 18 or 17 or whatever that he was going to play D1 somewhere. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Malik. Well, we appreciate you coming on and helping us kind of dissect uh, the situation between Will Levis and Sean Clifford. And we'll see how everything plays out in 2022. Uh, best of luck to everything you're doing, getting ready for the season. Uh, and thank you all for joining us here on Pater.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.